0: Today what I want to talk about is the strategy room. The strategy room. I don't, you know, I don't think these things up. I think the Lord just drops these things in my spirit because I thought, when the Lord brought this to my mind, I thought, how is this going to be a message, Lord? I mean, he just gave me what he wanted me to talk about. And as I began to pray and seek the Lord, and I I thought, you know, how does this work? And uh, I thank the Lord for um, his touch and his leading the strategy room. There's a spiritual war against the soul of man that was initiated by the devil against Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And that spiritual war is still going on today. The difference now is that we no longer have to <coughs> offer up the blood of of a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice to cover man's sin for a year only to have to do it again the next year. We don't have to do that anymore. Thank God that Jesus, the Son of God, was the perfect sacrifice that came down and dwelt among us. He died on a cross. He conquered sin and death. On the third day, he rose again, and then he walked among the people. He, uh, 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 he he ascended up into heaven, and he sits today at the right hand of God. The Bible tells us to make inter- intercession for His people. That's where He is for all those who believe in Him. The spiritual war that was that was launched by Satan is is one in which. He has and he continues to implement his strategies and his schemes on how to keep people far away from God. That is what his goal is. He doesn't want people to get close to God. He doesn't want people to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do everything he can to keep them away from God. For those who don't yet know Christ, he does his utmost to prevent the message of the gospel from reaching them. He does everything to darken and shield them from the message of the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He distracts them with selfish ambitions, sins, pleasures, cultural topics, social and political issues that stir up frustration. For those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior, he he tries to prevent us also from sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to make us feel inferior and not well equipped and and bashful and shy about sharing the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But the similarity is that he also does the same tricks on the children of God that he does for the ones who don't know him. He tries to distract us with selfish ambitions, with sin's pleasures, cultural topics and social and political issues that stir up frustration. And if he can draw our attention to those things, then we will be consumed with those things and we'll fail to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ because we're so consumed with what's going on around us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must take this spiritual war seriously. We must take it seriously. Let me remind you about what Jesus said about the devil. In John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or have abundant life. And then Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So you have a total and complete contrast here. You have the thief who he comes to steal from you. He comes to kill you. And he comes to destroy you in every measure and in every way possible that he can think of. Because he does not want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have abundant life. If you are a child of God, you should be a recipient and are a recipient of abundant life. You are a recipient of life to the full. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel like I've got life to the full. I got all this stuff going on. When you strip everything away, who you are on the inside is who you are through Jesus Christ, and the enemy of your soul cannot touch who you are on the inside, regardless of the outside circumstances and the things that you may be dealing with and having to go through right now can i tell you that the devil only has a sphere of influence from the outside in but the jesus christ that is presented in scripture here he says he's the good shepherd is the one that changes us and transforms us from the inside out and so he seeks to change us in that way and he does when we accept him first john 3 8 says the one who who does what is sinful is the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. He's an expert at sin. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The Son of God came, the Scripture tells us, to destroy the work of the devil. He's had all this time to to kind of perfect his craft, and he's very good at it, but he is not He is not a match in any measure, shape, or form for for the the God of the Bible and Jesus Christ who came to destroy His work. Jesus is our good shepherd. He came to destroy the devil's work. He has called us to continue to destroy the devil's work through the authority that He has entrusted in us. How many know that we have to take this war seriously? War is work. There is a time and there is a place. In a story uh, that you're probably familiar with, if you know your Bible, in Luke chapter 10. uh, I'm not going to read the whole story, but I've, I've got some excerpts from this passage. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, after the Lord appointed 72, some versions say 70, others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How many know that there is a great harvest still yet to this day? There's a harvest of souls of people out there who are under the oppressive, demonic power of the devil. He doesn't, as I mentioned earlier, he doesn't want them to see the light and hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ that will break the chains of bondage and darkness that they're in so that they can come out into the light and they don't have to live that way. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And he told them, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. No one in their right mind would take a herd of lambs and send them where they know that wolves will be. But what Jesus said was that this is what I want you to do. There's not many people who do it. You're going to go as a sheep into a place where they're going to try to eat your lunch. They're going to try to devour you. You're going into the enemy's territory. And the same holds true today. That when we go out into this world, when we go out into the, into the harvest field, you are surrounded by the work of the devil that Jesus came to destroy and he seeks to destroy now through us. In in verse 9, he goes on to tell them, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. So the first thing he says, I want you to go out there and I want you to heal those that are sick and proclaim the gospel message. Let them know who Jesus is. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. In verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now church this is not talking about literal snakes and literal scorpions. It's not like gather a bunch of snakes and we're just going to walk all over them and see if we get bit. He's talking about the influence of the enemy, the devil, just like the serpent in the garden of Eden was deceitful. He said I've given you the power and the authority to trample over all the deceit and all the stinging things that the devil will try to present to anybody over all and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Say all. All. That means nothing is left behind or to chance. All encompasses everything. Everything. Now I like ice cream. Love ice cream. And uh, sometimes I have to be careful because I can overindulge if I'm not careful. But no one would go. I mean, if you go to, say, Brahms, which is a really neat place to go because their specialty is ice cream. You go to Brahms and you say, I want a banana split, which I typically don't order. Um, And when we were dating, Annette used to share those with me, but she won't share one with me anymore. Um, she She told me a long time ago, she's like, well, anytime I share anything with you, then Um, you get more of it than I get. So it's not like an equal share. So if we share something, we usually will divide, and this is whatever it is, we usually divide it down the middle and then we separate it so we know what half is. But so if I go up and order a, a banana split and then when they present it to me, I get a half a dip of each kind and a half of a banana and one cherry instead of two and it fills half the thing and I'm thinking... Where's the rest of it? I want it all. I want all of it. That's what this verse is saying. Is that Overcome all the power of the enemy. Not just some, but all. All of it. He has given you authority, meaning all authority, to do all of those things. And nothing will harm you. Sheep among wolves. He's telling them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, but nothing's going to harm you. Nothing's going to hurt you. However, do not rejoice that the evil, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I think that is powerful and significant because what he says is this. Don't ever get so, um, so overwhelmed, not overwhelmed, but so um, amazed by the work that you see happening and the hand of God moving that you forget the primary focus is that the number one thing is that your name is written in heaven that is your focus you must remember rejoice that your name is written in heaven and it's because of that that the other happens it's not your name is written in heaven because you go out and do these things you can't earn the salvation but know that your salvation is who you are in Jesus Christ we have the authority given by Jesus in his name to overcome anything that the devil comes, out, comes up with. But how does having this knowledge allow us to put it into practice? I'm glad you asked. When the demonic forces of hell are staring us in the face and we encounter pure evil, what are we supposed to do? I believe that it starts in the strategy room. This is the place of prayer where you engage with God from the depths of your soul the very place where you meet with God and there must be a place it doesn't have to be a, a physical literal place although it, there can be a place and a physical place where you go and you frequent and you say this is my private place of prayer and I encourage that But anywhere you make your altar is a place of prayer. The problem in today's church world is just getting people to pray. They think that praying in church is sufficient. Possibly praying before a meal. Possibly giving the Lord a few minutes here and there. The term strategy room has a militaristic connotation to it and it should when, in mili- for, for, when for military use it may be referred to as the situation room or the war room where national leaders will discuss both offensive and defensive objectives and these can be discussed either when an, an active attack is underway as a, or as preventative measures put in place uh, as to a strong offense. A former pastor, Steve Bookout, preached a message one time and he talked about how that the enemy, you know, he studies us and he knows our habits, he knows our weaknesses and he knows everything about us. And you know that if he attacks you in one particular way, he's going to come back and try that same thing again. If it's successful one time, he's going to do it another time. And this works in military campaigns, it works in in sports strategies, all kinds of strategies. If if something is found to work, then they will do it again and again and again until it stops working and then something else will be employed. But what my former pastor said was this, he said, When you know the enemy is going to come against you, you need to develop a strategy so that when you see the attack comes, then you know exactly what you're going to do when that attack comes. You know that there are certain verses that you can stand on and you can come against the devil with the Word of God, which is the most powerful weapon that we have is the Word of God. And when he comes against you, you can say, devil, I'm going to recognize you for what you're doing and you're not going to succeed this time. Sometimes we can go so get, get so uh, uh, caught up with our past failures and our past shortcomings that we allow, this to, that we allow those things to cripple us. As I mentioned before, there was somebody one time that told me she says, "I know that I know that um, uh, I could teach a class on marriage, because I know what godly marriage is supposed to be." She was married for decades to one man, but then she had three failed marriages after that. And she says, but I don't feel like I'm qualified or worthy to teach such a subject because somebody can say, look at your life. What are you talking about? How do you? But let me tell you something. When you walk before God, and you don't have to listen to what the enemy says because the enemy of your soul wants to tie you to past failures that you've had, and they are gone. They are history. They are washed away. Any sins that you've done when you've repented of them, they're as far as the east is from the west. You don't have to worry about them. But the enemy keeps records of those things that happened in the past but the Bible says love keeps no record of wrong so when it is washed away it is forgotten never to be remembered against you again but when the enemy comes in and he tries to bring those things up know what it is in that strategy room of prayer that you have make sure that you're ready for him there are solutions to your problems that can only be found in the strategy room in your place of prayer well what if I'm not used to praying? What am I going to talk about? That's a real problem for a lot of people. Because they think I don't pray. I don't know what to say to God. Let me give you a little let me give you a little hint here. Jesus is your closest friend. Yes. He will always be your closest friend. You think of any close relationship that you've had with anyone? He is closer than that and he wants to be on that level with you so that you're so close to him. I know that there's not somebody physically there with you, but you can pour out your heart to Him. You can tell Him just what's on your mind. You don't have to have eloquent words and and great speech. Just whatever is on your heart, I encourage you when you're in that strategy room, that place of prayer, to just pour out your heart. Whatever words come out, let them come out. And talk to Him. He knows what is on your heart, but He wants you to communicate with Him. You just need to get used to praying. Praying is simply talking to God. That's really all that it is. Mm -hmm. Talk to Him often and talk to Him with a humbleness of heart. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And it goes on to say, be alert and sober minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I find it interesting that those two verses are right next to each other. If you don't cast your anxiety on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety. You can get so wrapped up in that anxiety and you're so frustrated by life that the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, he's looking for somebody who looks a little weak. If you're wrapped up in all your anxiety, it can cause you to feel weak. It can cause you to feel inferior. It can cause you to to feel some things that that shouldn't be there. That's why we have to get rid of that. And then verse 9 says, resist him. So when he comes, resist him. Standing firm in the faith. We have to stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. Because he's the one, he's the only one that will get us through. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. How many know that? You're not the only one going through stuff. There's other people that are going through worse things than you're having to deal with. There are people in this world that are being executed because they profess Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as Lord and Savior. It's not that way here, thank God. That doesn't mean that it may not be that way at some point. Oh, pastor, I, I can't believe that. There's a lot of things. If you put yourself in a time capsule and go back five years, ten years, you see a lot of things now that you thought, never, this will never happen here. Yeah. Yeah. And it has. The devil seeks your destruction, but you can resist him by standing firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. You have the power and you have the authority that has been given to you in the name of Jesus. As you grow in your faith in Jesus, you need to know that he not only wants to hear from you, but he wants to talk with you as well. How many know that God talks to us? He can talk to us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to communicate. The primary way that He talks to us is through His Word. He talks to us through His Word. How is that possible? You can read something and you all of a sudden see that it comes out and it applies to a situation in your life. It causes your faith. He talks to us. If you got saved and you are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God reached into your heart and talked to you that day and said, you need a Savior. You need to come. And you weren't just thinking that up on your own. That same Holy Spirit that Jesus said is a guide that will teach you. How many know that it's hard to receive instruction if you don't hear anything? Well, what are the instructions? Am I supposed to guess? Well, the Holy Spirit is a teacher and a guide. And anything that He teaches will never be contrary to the Word of God. It will always agree with the Word of God. The Word of God is our test and our our, uh, standard that we use. Talk to Him often. Some of you may think, Why would the Creator of the universe want to talk to me? because he loves you that much because he's a father who loves to talk with his children if you have children and you have grandchildren you love to talk with them I love to talk with journey and sometimes I can't understand what she says back to me but I still love to talk to her because she's not quite two yet and her vocabulary is growing but I love to talk with her and it's just so sweet Your Bible is full of examples of God speaking directly to people, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, both old and young. He also spoke to those in powerful positions as well with no social status at all. He spoke to the righteous and the sinner. He spoke to kings. He spoke to shepherds. God continues to speak to His people today. You must deepen your communication with God. In his book, Deepening Your Conversation with God, Ben Patterson tells this story. President Franklin Roosevelt was weary of the mindless small talk of the White House receptions. Wondering if anyone was engaging in any real conversation, he conducted a sper- an experiment at a White House gathering. As he shook a hand and flashed a big smile, he would say, I murdered my grandmother this morning. With but one exception, the people would smile back and say something like, how lovely, or you are doing a great job. (laughs) The exception was a foreign diplomat who responded quietly. I'm sure she had it coming to her. (laughs) How many of our prayers are more like, the White House reception small talk. If this has been the case, we can be certain that our Lord desires a deeper communication with us than just on the surface. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How many know that demolishing strongholds is work? It is work to do that, but we have the power to do that. And how do we do that? We do that through prayer, and we do that through spending time in the strategy room. You will likely encounter a wide range of emotions as you purpose to expand your time in the strategy room or the war room of your prayer. The devil will do all he can to keep you out of there. He will do everything he can to keep you from praying. I heard it said when I was a small child that the devil devil gets nervous when the weakest Christian gets on his knees. But I have news that the devil gets nervous whenever any but blood-bought, born-again child of God purposes in their heart that they will seek to pray and they will communicate with the God of the universe beyond just the surface level and they get to a level where they say, when they say, God, I have just got to hear from you. And I don't want to stop until I know that I know that I know that I have heard from you because I've got to have an answer. I've got to have that knowledge and that spirit in me that says, Lord, I know that I've heard from you. Jesus said it this way. He said, my sheep know my voice. When you get to a place where you can hear the voice of God, it may be different in the way he communicates with us. And again, he will never, never communicate anything that is contrary to the word of God. It will always agree. The voice of God can come in many forms. I've had people that have prophesied over me and Annette that have told things that they didn't know. I've had people as individuals come to me and say something to me personally about something that I was going through in my life that they had no knowledge about. I've had God that has confirmed things to me through His Word. He has confirmed things and spoken things into my heart and into my life. I've prayed about things for an extended period of time and knowing that God's timing is always right and perfect and then I'm wondering, God, when will this happen? And all of a sudden he says, I want you to do this and this and he comes and he does it clearly just like that and I'm thinking, okay, no questions asked because I know that now is right. See, the, as humans sometimes we want to figure everything out before we do anything. But can I tell you that inaction and complacency is not some place where the child of God needs to dwell. We need to be people of action. We need to be people who are uncomfortable being still and being being just doing nothing in our walk with the Lord. If we are not growing, if we are not cultivating the soil of our hearts and we're not receiving the Word of God, if we are not uh, challenging our faith every time we get into the Word of God every time we get into the strategy room we need to be doing that we need to be moving closer and closer because God has a specific plan for your life He has a specific plan for my life that He had etched out before you even drew your first breath and how do we know what His plan is? through prayer The devil will do everything he can to keep you from praying because he knows that as you get closer to the God of the universe that God will give you the answers that you need to life's challenges. He will give you his strategies to tackle what lies before you so that his purpose and his agenda will be accomplished through you. No wonder the devil tries to keep you out of the strategy room. There are a few other names that I found in my research when I was looking up strategy room, things that these rooms are called. Sometimes it's called an incident, an incident room. Something has happened, so we need to go to this room and we need to talk about it. I want to be very clear that we as Christians have no business communicating what has happened in our lives as failure points to the world and broadcasting it out there when it happens. I know Facebook is popular and I know social media is popular but I don't believe that it's God's will for the people of God to live their lives out in the open and pouring out our problems and troubles where everybody can see them. When you have an incident that happens in your life then you don't need to go to the Facebook room. You need to go to the strategy room. You need to go to the incident room and say God this has happened. What do I do? It's also called a panic room. strategy room has also been called a panic room. I've encountered something and I just don't know what to do. Oh world, what am I supposed to do? Well, the world's not going to tell you what to do, what you need to hear. You can get a lot of opinions and by nightfall, you can have 164 different opinions and then you're more confused than ever before. Where you need to go, church, is you need to go to the strategy room and say, God of the universe, I've got to hear from you. I'm under attack. I don't know what to do and I'm just going in all these different directions. What do I do? I'm in a panic and he does what he always does. He says, cast all of your anxiety on me. Leave it here with me. I'll take care of it. When you get out of that strategy room, you're not in a panic anymore. You're in a peace that passes all understanding because the God of the universe has taken that load from you. Another name for the strategy room was called the sit room. S-I-T, the sit room. And sometimes we don't go in there because we've had something bad to happen. We go in there just to be there. And we say, God, I just need you to envelop me. I just need to sit here and bask in your presence. Will you touch me today? And the God of the universe who is faithful, he comes down and he touches us. See, too many times, I think, in the Pentecostal realm, we talk about being boisterous and loud and being outward in our praise and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are absolutely times when we need to just go and we need to sit and be quiet. Quiet is uncomfortable for many people. Many people are uncomfortable with quiet. Some people are so uncomfortable with quiet, they can't sleep in quiet. They can't be at home with quiet. They can't be in their car with quiet. They can't be anywhere with quiet. But I want to challenge you. Have some time where it's quiet. Have some time where it's quiet. In our 21 days of fasting and prayer that we ended at the end of last month, there were a couple of things that I uh, I stopped doing during that time. I have two games that I play on my phone. One is Candy Crush, and the other was Words with Friends. I only play Words with Friends with Natalie and Ryan, and nobody else. People challenge me, and I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have time to play this endless list of people. So please, if you send me a Words with Friends request, I won't play. Uh, I don't have time. Um, I could make time, but I don't want to do that uh, because it already it, it's got a, I've got a schedule and my candy crush um, it's really you can insert whatever it is in your life. It could be a TV program, it could be Facebook, it could be talking on the phone, it could be whatever and you know hey, I just got five free lives. that means I And they give you these things right at the most inopportune times. You're getting ready for bed and all of a sudden, I got 30 minutes of free play. But I'm supposed to be in bed. So you keep going and you keep going. I gave up Candy Crush and I gave up my Diet Dr. Pepper for 21 days. And uh, surprisingly, I didn't really miss it, either one. I thought about it, and I thought, you know, my normal time when I do the candy curse, I did something else. I spent more focused time in the Word, and it was a powerful time for me. And I can say that after I got done, that I still, I haven't gone back to the level that I had before, because after 21 days, it's just not as important to me as it once was. I just really don't care much anymore. I played it a a few times. Why am I saying this? We just need to have a time where we have quiet. Another word for strategy room is called situation room. When there's a situation that you have to face, there's a decision that has to be made, and I don't know what to do. Lord, I've got a situation. And then there is also what's referred to, and we mentioned this already, the war room. There's warfare that needs to go on. There are definite plans that need to be established and laid out and there's territory to be conquered for the king of kings and the lord of lords because the time is short. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And I pray, God, let me be one of the laborers that's willing to go out into the harvest fields because if it has eternal significance, it should have my attention. Things that won't matter a hundred years from now, they, for many people, unfortunately, rate way too high in their lives. If it makes an eternal difference in the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ, it should have our attention. And souls are eternal. I'm going to close with this particular passage of Scripture that you guys know very well. Probably Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. How many know that the devil is doing everything he can to scheme and connive against you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a focus on the supernatural. There is a focus on the paranormal and things that are demonic, especially leading up to Halloween. People just tend to focus on that. May I tell you that there are absolutely demonic forces that are out there. There are absolutely uh, powers of the enemy that are out there. But we have the strength and the power when we put on the full armor of God and we stand against the authority and the powers of this dark world of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to read this version out of the Message Bible. It says this. and. Uh, And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels, folks. This is a struggle that will go on as long as we live on this earth. It will be there. It's a struggle that we we go through. Verse thirteen continues. It says, "Therefore, put on the full armor of God." So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand to your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to to this. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I want you to know folks that the The Word of God will do much more than we can ever do. But with the Word of God, uh, that's what Jesus used when He was in the wilderness against the devil, when He came against Him, and He told him repeatedly, it is written, this is so vital and important. We must know what it is. And once we've done those things, we've stood when we can stand, we have the full armor of God on And verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We're supposed to be in that strategy room of prayer, in that prayer room, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit as the Spirit enables us to pray. And we pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. And here it is again. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We're supposed to pray for each other. I pray for you, and I hope that you pray for me. I hope that you pray for others as well. We must make sure that we enter the strategy room of prayer often, church, if there's ever a time that we needed to pray. It's now. Will you be willing to commit to go into your strategy room, your place of prayer, and do so on a regular and a frequent basis? Pastor, I just don't know if I can commit to that. You're not committing to me. It's what the Word of God says. If you want a growing, vibrant relationship with the Lord, you follow and do what the Word of God tells you to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You'll do what the Word of God says. The love that you have for Jesus Christ should be enough to drive us to the place of prayer on a frequent basis. Will you make it a priority? And if you won't do it now, then when? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed today. As my former Pastor Alexander would say, that yesterday is in the tomb of time, tomorrow is in the womb of time, the only time that we have now is now. Let's make the most and go to the strategy room of prayer. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to, for us to agree together that, that you will have the strength that you need to go into that place. You may be going through some kind of difficult struggle right now that has taken your attention elsewhere, but the God of the universe wants to speak into your heart and into your life. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the reminder that you have called us into that place of prayer. Whenever things are going wrong, you've called us into the place of prayer. Whenever things are going right, you've called us into the place of prayer. Lord, you've Set the example for us to spend time with our Heavenly Father. and We do that through you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in each one of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of how important prayer is. And I ask, Lord, that you would just allow us to elevate a little bit more. As we know that the field is ripened to harvest and that the only things that are eternal are the only things that will matter and the only things that we did for Jesus will truly matter when we stand before You. Lord, as we go into that strategy room, we do so in prayer. We do so with an expectancy to hear from You. And I thank You for it right now in the name of Jesus.